last few years, what's happened is that the fly fishing industry is trying to convince the, the customer, the fishermen out there, that they've got to have a $1,000 rod if they're going to fly fish, <laughs> or they've got to have a $500 reel if they're going to fly fish, and you've got to have a $130 fly line to tie your $6 leader on uh, in order to tie your $5 fly. I, you know, I don't like that because because you don't have to spend that kind of money to be a fly fisherman. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. <laughs> okay, so today we're pleased to welcome Steve Densley, a National Sales Director of Maxon Outfitters. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, I got to ask you this question before we get into Maxon and uh, all the good things that you sell. I want to know kind of why you got into doing what you're doing. So in other words, where did your passion for the sport of fly fishing come from? Well, you know, I, I, I started, I probably actually really started fly fishing uh, in high school, probably my, my junior, senior year of high school. And, and I just got involved with it because I had a couple of buddies that were really into it. You know, I'd, I'd been fishing since a little kid and, and like most, uh, you know, I think most fishermen, you know, I started off bait fishing and, and worms and, and uh, marshmallows and Right, and I just got to the point to where I I wanted to kind of move on to something else, a little be a little more serious about it. I happened to uh, uh, have a father-in-law later on when I was in my twenties that that owned a retail fishing store. It was a specialty store uh, in the Salt Lake Valley, and my uh, name of Angler's Inn. And I went to work for him, so I actually got in the business. Uh, on the retail side, probably about 1983, and uh, worked retail for for a number of years. And um, actually, uh, I I went through a divorce, and being that I was uh, married to the boss's daughter, I had to find another place to to work. And luckily, I was able to to stay in the business and go to work for a competitor. And so I, I went to work for Sportsman's Warehouse back when it was uh, owned by the founder, Bill Hayes. And so I went to work for Sportsman's Warehouse and then went back to Anglers one time and then back to Sportsman's Warehouse under a different ownership after Bill had sold it. And from that point, I, I left there and went to rep. When Cortland was going through some of their, their uh, changes and restructuring, they dropped a lot of items from their catalog. So the guys that ever going uh, contacted me and a couple of other of our reps and said, hey, you guys have... Uh, you know, you have interest and you have experience in this. Uh, we're thinking of uh, branding this ourselves. So we've been manufacturing it for 30 years, but we've always manufactured it for other people. They do a lot of OEM projects for large retailers and, and different companies. And so I said, yeah, I'd like to get involved. And so that's how I got involved with Maxon. Uh, Justin is my partner in crime. And, uh, and uh, Justin Cameron is the guy that came up with the original lineup. He designed all the original product of our of our first catalog. You know, I met with the guys at Maxon, and I met our owner, Mr. George Chong, and you know, we we came to an agreement because their vision uh, aligned with my vision of what I wanted 
to see and do uh, in the fly fishing uh, industry. And since then, it's been about, you know, we've been in, going together for about the last three years. Not only did you find the passion that you wanted to find, but you also found a company whose kind of beliefs align with yours. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, that's rare because, you know, like I say, you know, I've, I've been in the fishing and fly fishing business, you know, what, 35 years now. Wow. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of times where I'm at, guys would be retiring that they may have had a gut pull. Uh, this, this truly is my passion. You know, I, I don't golf. I don't play tennis. Um, I don't, I don't even hunt anymore. I used to hunt, but I, I've turned into such a wimp. Uh, I'd like to shoot him with a camera, but that's about it. You know, in some respects, I don't like where the fly fishing industry has gone. And, and let me explain that and what I mean. When I started out fishing, you know, fly fishing, guys, people would evolve into fly fishing. In other words, they'd start it off just like I did, you know, throwing a worm out there and, and uh, you know, maybe a worm and a bobber, maybe maybe a chunk of Velveeta cheese or something. And, and they, they did like I did. They said, you know, I want to get into a little more complicated fishing. I want to understand entomology. I want to understand how a trout uh, lives. You know, where does it where does it hide? What does it eat? You know, when does it eat? And and that's what fly fishing is, is so neat because you you know it's so vast. You can fish for any species of fish: saltwater, freshwater, rivers, lakes, ponds, streams. It doesn't matter. You can fly fish anything, and and that's that's what kind of held the allure for me. And the last few years, what's happened is that. The fly fishing industry is trying to convince the, the customer, the fisherman out there, that they've got to have a $1,000 rod if they're going to fly fish, <laughs> or they've got to have a $500 reel if they're going to fly fish, and you've got to have a $130 fly line to tie your $6 leader on uh, in order to tie your $5 fly. I, you know, I don't like that because, because you don't have to spend that kind of money to be a fly fisherman. Yep. Fly fishing tackle is paramount to fly fishing. It's important that you have good quality product. However, in order to get good quality product, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Well, there's a lot of companies that have made their bread and butter on the kind of the hierarchy. The I, I love when I hear somebody talking about it. It's almost like taking the snobism out of our sport. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're you're right, and that's that's kind of what what I like to do. I I want to make fly fishing accessible, uh, you know, to the to the young guy, to the young girl. Yeah, I want to see, uh, you know, a guy getting his wife into it with him. Uh, you know, making a family affair. And the and the reason, from my perspective too, the reason why this is important, it isn't just to sell tackle and make it make a living. Although that's what I do, and in a way, I kind of feel guilty for prostituting it in a way. But you know, really, that's what it takes. It's going to take a number of people to get involved and to get educated on preserving our resources, or else we're not going to have it. I'm based in Utah, and we're going through court cases right now on access of rivers and streams. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose access to our to our public lands. You hear what's going on uh, in the politics with uh, national monuments and uh, access owner property rights as opposed to access rights and so on and so forth. It's very important that, that we have the places to fish and to hunt and to recreate and to hike and to and to view you know wildlife. And and the way we're going to do that is to have more people involved in doing that. What's your strategy? Uh, like as a national sales director, I know you got a strategy for your company. What 
what's your strategy to get rods into? It sounds like you're looking to get them into the hands of youth. Am I am I on the right track there? You you know that that's part of it. You know, part of what you know what our I think what our strategy is 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 to make fly fishing accessible and enjoyable by providing um, a very high quality product with the technology and the engineering and everything that goes into developing a, a beautiful fly rod and a beautiful fly reel and fly line that that will serve its purpose that casts that matches with the tackle and make it affordable. This is what, you know, when I was at Cortland and these guys were making products for us, uh, when I hooked up with Max and the first thing, you know, Justin did is he made a presentation. He says, this is what we've got so far. And, and he went through the entire product line. And now here's a guy, you know, I'm the, I'm the first time there and I'm listening to their presentation after giving them some input and I'm looking at the final product that he come up with. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm going, Wow, this is this is really great stuff. This is good stuff. And let's say, how much is this? And I'm thinking in my mind, he's going to tell me this rod that I'm looking at is going to be a three hundred dollar rod. Right. And he tells me, so that rod's one hundred and fifty bucks. And I go, you got to be kidding me. And, and as I was there, the owner of the factory was there uh, at this meeting, and I said, hey, can I can I cast? Can we cast these rods? And they says, we we thought you'd never ask. He says, here's the reels. They're spooled up with wine. Let's go outside and cast. So I went out there and I'm casting and I'm going, God, you know, this is, this is nice. I like this rod. I mean, I would, I would fish this, this rod any day of the week. Now here's a guy, you know, I, I, I most of the rods I, I own were all pretty, you know, they're, they're mid to high end rods. Sure. And here I am casting this rod that they tell me is a $150 rod. And I said, okay, I got to see what this rod will really do. So I filled off a bunch of line. And, and, I, and I throw the entire fly line with it. And I go, God, that's incredible. Let me see how it casts on a short cast. Wow, let's check out its accuracy. Man, the rod dampens well. It's accurate. It's good looking. It's, God, this is a great tool. And 150 bucks, are you kidding me? How do you do that? And I'm talking to the guy that owns the factory. And he says, you know, he, he starts giving me technical information that really, to be honest, a lot of it went right over my head. Right. Because he explains to me how, how he wraps the rod, the, the, the raw materials, the modulus of the graphite, uh, the bias of the, of the scrim, and how he cures this at different temperatures to make sure. He says, it's like baking bread. He says, you know, if you pull out a loaf of bread out of the oven and it looks nice and brown on the outside and it looks done, he says, but you tear into it and it's doughy and raw in the middle. He says, you know, it wasn't cooked right. He says, we cook graphite. And he says, but you have to cook it, bake it, cure it, just right so that the resins, everything bonds together. I mean, he's telling me that, that he's got a high quality raw material here just in the blank and then everything else, you know, as far as assembling the rod. I was lucky enough to get some of your rods in my hands there and uh, I had a look at that. Uh, was it the Aurelius line? 57 million modulus. Pretty nice stick and pretty nice price too. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and I'll tell you that, that one's a little close to my heart because Justin and I, designed that rod together here we sat down with our factories and and we said look you know this is how this is the rod we want and this is how we want it to play and this is where we want the tip action and we went through the whole thing and we you know in order to do this you had to go to this 57 millionth modulus graphite and you know we didn't engineer the rod so i don't want to make it sound like that i'm this real brilliant guy i basically said hey this is the action that, that we want. This is the color. This is the looks. This is cosmetics. This is how many guides. 
This is the real seat. This is the handle. You know, we put a 3A cork handle on there. So the components are all top end. The action is exactly what we wanted. Then we made it pretty. It's great to have an amazing tool in your hand, but for me, it's got to look good too. And, and I know that sounds a little surface, but you know, I, I there's a lot of grays and there's a lot of, but I, I love something that stands out. And I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful rod. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, that's what, that's what we wanted to, to achieve because I understand that I, I'm the exact same way as you are. You know, I mean, that, that's why we, that's why we pick certain cars, you know, that's why we pick the clothes we wear because we want them to look good. It achieves everything that we wanted to achieve. And we were able to come in at a price that quite honestly, I would put that rod up against any $600 rod on the market. So if somebody wanted to get their hands on on one of your rods, say for instance, the uh, Aurelius line, um, now can they, is, can they do it online or is it strictly a brick and mortar through other stores in the country? Well, you know what? What we did there, Mark, is originally when we set up our, our, our distribution, we went strictly through a distributor distribution. And so we list all our, all our dealers on our website um, under dealer locator. But, you know, what, we, what we've found over the last couple of years with our dealers is that a lot of our dealers aren't stocking um, a lot of our products. They'll, they'll cherry pick us. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, I like this reel, but I'm not going to buy those other reels. And I'll buy this rod, so not that other rod. So, you know, slowly but surely, we're, we're going to try to get into a, a situation where we, you know, where we can do some selling direct online because there's a lot of areas uh, across the country where we don't have representation. And in order to, to kind of fill those holes, right. uh, you know, we'll do that. You know, we'll do that ourselves. So if somebody doesn't have a dealer close by, you know, they can contact us uh, by going online and uh, and we'll make sure that, that we ship them whatever it is they want. We, we want our product in the hands of those that want it. Right. And, you know, our customer service is second to none. Our warranties are great. And, uh, you know, we're doing everything we can to, to support, uh, you know, to, to support the, the industry and to support our, our customers and to support the resources and the sports. So, you know, whatever we need to do, we'll do. Absolutely. Well, I got I to gotta be honest with you. The one thing that I noticed when I came over to your booth was the rods first. But I'll tell you, when I got to look at those uh, inflatable boats you had, because we do where I'm at, we do mm-hmm. a lot of either uh, drifting uh, some some small rivers and also a lot of stillwater fishing, and that uh, that XPW I think it was a two thirty nine. So tell, maybe you. tell the folks about that uh, about your uh, your XPW line. Well, what we what we did, uh, you know, Maxim inflatable boats and cardinal boats are another division of Evergoing, and they've been around a long time. Uh, Greg Mills runs that division, and Greg's done a great job. You probably met him at the show. Yes, I've And, uh, you know, Greg's a sharp guy. Uh, he's got a lot of experience, and we do a lot of uh, custom boats, a lot of OEM stuff. So we've got customers all over the world that Greg works with, a lot in, in uh, Alaska, Canada. Uh, he's done a lot of the whitewater cataract-type uh, rafts. What uh, what we did there with you know with Max and Outfitters being a fishing division, fly fishing division, we came up with a couple of boats that kind of fit the, the fishermen. So they're single person craft. The XPW two thirty nine is uh, is a single person craft that can be used on moving water or still water. It, it's eleven hundred denier uh, PVC, two chambers. Um, it comes with the oars and and the cargo netting. Uh, and the bag and all that stuff. And it, it works out really well for, uh, you know, for moving water or still water. 
Right. The flat one that you saw there, the XPW 240, is primarily a steel watercraft, and that's one that that I had a, a hand in uh, with the prototypes that uh, that we designed for steel water. Like I said, I'm based in Utah. A lot of the fishing that we have are, are fairly large reservoirs and lakes. Right. And so we designed this one to uh, accommodate a small electric motor uh, and the fish. I have myself with a fish finder and that low profile, it's only six inches wide, is so nice because when the wind kicks up, it's not a matter of if the wind kicks up, it's a matter of when the wind kicks up. You're not blown all around the, the lake or the reservoir uh, with that low profile. So it's, it's much easier to fish out of. It's comfortable. You can do a lot with it. That one is, is probably not recommended for, for any kind of real current or white water. Right. Uh, one thing caught my eye with that boat, Steve, is the fact that it's, it, yes, it's a low profile, but you could put a big guy in that boat uh, up to 400 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we actually, we actually downgraded that just for, for liability purposes because the rating, the rating on that was, was 600. Wow. And we purposely just dropped it down to 400 just to, you know, like I say, for liability purposes and whatnot. But that, that boat will support a lot of weight, and it's a level flow. It's a pure joy to fish out of. It's the best steel water craft out of. They seem very durable and, and relatively lightweight for the, uh, for the quality of uh, nylon. Yeah, it is, and, and you're right. And see, that's another thing where where we have been in the factory, watched them do that work, and and you know they they weld the seams on curved. It's hand hand glued. The construction, the material, the workmanship, and the construction is all top notch. And you know that is the, the thing that impressed me with uh, with Evergoing and and Max and Outfitters is that the product that that, that we produce is top quality. We're not putting out any junk. Uh, some of our stuff, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I've had uh, dealers, uh, shop owners tell me, hey, I don't want your stuff in my store. I go, why not? And they said, it's too inexpensive. You know, I have to pay a guy to sell this and, and uh, I make a lot more money if he sells a, a eight or $900 rod, and, you know, as opposed to yours, which is $200. And I have to sell four of those to one of these. And, uh, you know, and it's like, well, okay, but what about the guy that's not buying a thousand dollar rod? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell this to, I tell this to everybody that when we're, when we're trying to come up with an idea of a product and the price point, I kind of use my own son as, as a guide for me. And I, my son, uh, I brought him up fishing. He's an avid fisherman. He loves it. Um, He's been raised with it. He's he's been raised with good equipment uh, because I've been in the business. I've had access, and that's what I started him with. But you know, he's a he's a young dad. He's got a home. He's got two little kids, and he just doesn't have a lot of money to go spend a thousand dollars on a fly fishing outfit. So I think, okay, if this this is for my son, I want him to have the very best stuff. But he's limited in funds. You know, that's my guideline. Right. And so everything we come up with, I kind of try to keep that in mind. If we if we overshoot the price point, either we rework it or we scrap it. You know, we go well. Let's move on. And quite honestly, there's a lot of projects that we've undertaken that we scrap because when it, when we come out with it, um, when we're talking dealer margins, customers, retail price, uh, our cost. You know, if we can uh, compete. And, and really outperform our competition, then, we'll, we'll, then we leave it. You know, we'll let them 
stay with it and we'll we'll find something else because right now we're in the process of trying to really build our brand and we're getting a lot of good traction we're talking today with steve densley national sales director of maxon outfitters and uh i'll tell you something we talked about the rods steve we talked about the boats we talked about your company kind of just your thoughts, you know, the, the ideas behind Maxon. What about your reels? I, I had a I had a good look at one of your SDX reels, and that seemed like some amazing value. Maybe tell tell our listeners a little bit about your uh, your SDX fly reel. Well, you know, that, that kind of goes along, Mark, with, with the rest of the stuff that we're doing. And, you know, we're obviously not reinventing the wheel, right? But this goes back to, to producing and bringing to market something that's, that's very beautiful, it's very functional. It's high value. Uh, the two reels that we came out with is the MAX and the SDX. And uh, the SDX that you mentioned, that's our sealed drag X-frame. I, I personally like to call it the Steve Densley X-frame, but it's, it's really a sealed <laughs> drag. And if you look at the reel, you'll notice that, our, that the drag is totally sealed and everything in the bearings and, and whatnot is, is a sealed drag. So this is a great reel for salt water and for big game. We did make uh, small sizes for trout in a 3.4 and a 5.6. I'm not one of these guys that say all the reel does is hold the line. And I've lost fish because I tried to hand fish runs and I find out I'm stepping on the line or the line is caught around a rock or a stick right. or whatever. So even on small fish, if I need to move, if I use a sinking line out of one of the boats, I like to get the fish on the reel, and I find I, I land bigger fish because it takes out my, my error. DX and your max, your SDX is priced in around, what, between $100, $200? It's, it's two, yeah, our MAX, the max reel is 100 okay. and the SDX is 200 Perfect. And, and the difference between the two, they're both, they're both machined out of 6061 bar stock. The difference is really the sealed drag in the SDX. Uh, both reels have th- have a total of three bearings. There's two ball bearings and a one-way roller bearing in both reels. One of the differences in the sealed drag is there's also an additional uh, friction disc. So we have, we have a carbon fiber friction disc and we have a non-asbestos, which is a, a non-trademarked name for Teflon or Rulon. So we have two friction discs in there to, to just keep it it's really way overkill, to be honest with you. I mean, that, that, that drag will stop a freight train. Then if you are fighting really big fish, when I say big fish, I, I'm talking tarpon and some saltwater, uh, saltwater species, maybe, you know, the big Chinook salmon and, and big fish like that. Right. That, you know, when you're really putting torque on that uh, and the reel is absorbing it instead of, uh, instead of the rod, um, that shaft is not going to torque on you. You're not going to get that, that frame rubbing against the spool. You know, all these reels that are coming out, some of them are, have been machined to just a bare skeleton of a frame and a spool. And even though that does reduce some weight, that's not always necessarily a, a positive. Because when you start cutting out so much from the, the spool, when you put your backing and your fly light on there, you'll notice line bulging from those uh, those mm. ported areas. That's, That's true. not a good thing. It catches. It's top, 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 yep. you know? And then pops. So, so yeah, that's a problem. And I, and I, it's one of the things that, you know, that the, we took under uh, consideration when we designed those reels that we didn't cut too much away. And, and the MAX is, is a little more skeleton than the SDX. But even on the MAX, we made sure that we didn't port those out so much to where that was going to be an issue. So All your products are 
reasonably priced but amazing quality for the dollar and I, I think you guys can take a lot of pride in that i really do um well thank you thank you that's that's great to hear because that's our that's our objective to be honest with you i, I would encourage our listeners to to take a look at maxon because i'll tell you the passion from the from the guys that work there i was blown away by that i want to switch gears a little bit um and talk some fishing with you if you don't mind steve i'm sure you won't mind about that talk to me about fishing on your home waters so you say you're from the utah area so are, uh-huh. we, are we talking a lot, like you said, a lot of still waters? Um, what kind of fishing are you doing in your neck of the woods? You know, uh, anything. I mean, one thing about Utah, we're very diverse. We do have a lot of still waters, and I do fish a lot of still water. And that, that's where the, you know, the XPW boat uh, really comes in handy for me. Um, you know, we use a lot of sinking lines. Everything, you know, if I go out, I'll have a floating line, an intermediate sinking line, and about three different sink rates of full sinking lines. Right. And so, you know, you're throwing a lot of different types of patterns, anything from, from streamer patterns uh, to, uh, to mayfly nymphs, dragonfly, damselfly nymphs, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of diversity there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the Provo River, drainage, the Weber, plus we have a lot of freestone mountain streams too. So, right. you know, one of my favorite things is to grab a little four weight and uh, a pair of shorts and wading, um, wading boots and dry flying these small little tail waters and, and small streams. So we, we, we can fly fish probably about, you know, nine to 10 months out of the year. Uh, when it's ice season, you know, the lakes freeze over, but our rivers are still open. So two, two and a half months, three months that, that I say it's too cold and, you know, I'll tie flies and stock up for the warmer warmer months. So if you're out on, on one of your favorite still waters uh, back home, w- what would you tie on if you're limited to one fly in your box on your favorite still water? You know, probably if I was going to be, that's a toughie, but if I was going to be limited probably to, to a single fly for still water, I'd probably throw uh, like a wooly bugger, probably about a size eight. What color? A friend of mine does a, does a blend that he calls Midnight Fire, which is black. That's got some blue and red and purple sparkle in it. It is deadly. And it's, it's good on just about any water and uh, with a black marabou tail. And it's got a great action, and, and it's just, a, you know, it's a deadly fly. If you can't catch him with that one, then, then it's going to be a really tough day. Sounds like you've had a, a pretty huge history with some pretty well-known companies over the years. You must have some, some crazy fishing stories, right? We've all got them. Uh, sure, I don't want sure. to put you on the spot, but does, does anything come to mind that's uh, a bit odd or uh, that's happened to you out there on the water? You know, not, I wouldn't say so. I, you know, what I would say, the, the really great things that I remember about some of my fishing trips. And I've had some great trips. Being in the business has really afforded me and allowed me to to take some great trips. I've, I've fished for Atlantic salmon in Scotland. I've fished for um, stripers in Cape Cod and, and tarpon in, in, in uh, the Florida Keys and great slaves for lake trout. I mean, I've had some really... I had some really neat trips, and I wish I could take more. But, you know, th- really the thing that, that sticks with me and the beauty of this is the, the trips that I've uh, – and the, the fishing trips that I've taken um, with, with my buddies, my friends. You know, I, I've had the opportunity to learn from, from some of the very best that I consider the very best in the business. And, it, you know, everybody is, has their specialty. And, you know, when I travel to a place – I'm fishing their water, man. I'm the student. They're the master. They're the guide, and I listen to them. Uh, I don't go in there trying to be the big shot because 
man, that slapped me down so fast. These guys are so good. And it's an honor, a privilege for me just to learn from them and to watch them and to listen to them and, and to hopefully try to follow their instruction. And that's the beauty of, of this business because I've, I've met some really great people that have been willing to share their, their knowledge and their expertise with me. And it's, it's made me uh, a much better uh, fisherman. And, you know, I'm indebted to them. So what I really remember is, is the people um, because, you know, without this great sport of, of fly fishing, I may not have ever made their acquaintance or met them. Yeah. And I have a lot of heroes out there. You know, you're, you're aware of, of Lefty Craig passing, you know, yeah. um, just a, about a week, a little more than a week ago. And, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Lefty a couple of times and, and I actually followed and, and listened in on so many of his presentations. And even though he wasn't putting his arm around me. He did that with the good looking girls, not guys like me. <laughs> but, you know, I learned so much from him, from reading his books and from listening to him. And he actually come and did a, uh, a presentation for the store that I worked at. And, you know, he, oh. he's a, he was a treasure and, and what his legacy, what he passes on is going to be so valuable for generations to come. But there's a lot of guys out there, maybe not with the notoriety that lefty has, but you know, there's so many guys out there that are, so knowledgeable. And so anybody that is really looking to get into fly fishing, attend the local shows, just like you did spend a little time talking with these guys because you know, they're happy and willing to, to share their, their experience and their knowledge with you and maybe help kind of steer you into a, into a direction that'll save you a lot of trial and error and, and help expose you to, to what I consider, you know, the greatest uh, hobby pastime sport uh, activity that, that, that we could ever ask for. You know, sports are great. I love sports. I played football when I was younger in high school and little league and all that stuff and did this. But, you know, you get to the point to where, you know, I, I could no more play football today than fly to the moon. Think about when you first started fishing. Um, you get out there and you're happy to be on your own. You're just enjoying, you're enjoying the, you know, the scenery, the wildlife, the fishing. But when you throw others into the mix you, you, you alluded to it earlier it, it's about the relationships that you make along the way and the older i get the more i appreciate that you know yeah and you do and that's you know where i'm at right now i remember when i was first starting in the business i was the young guy right i was the rookie and and the guys that i was working with were experienced and experts and and same type of thing you know i didn't try to bs my way through it because they would have slapped me down the first time I had to stand on my own. I'd have looked like the idiot I was. But these guys took me under wing. Uh, you know, one of my great mentors that that uh, that taught me the most, his name's Emmett Heath. And Emmett's a very well-known guide on the Green River. They call him Dean of the Green. And and Emmett kind of took me under wing when we were working in the in the in the same uh, store. And uh, I learned an awful lot. I mean, he, he really showed me things. But the thing that I really appreciated about Emmett was his attitude. Here's a guy that I regard as one of the greatest fly fishermen that's ever been. And you would never know it because he, he didn't have an ego. He didn't, he didn't show off. He didn't have this uh, pride that he had to, you know, show up to everybody. But when you watched him and listened to him, it was just beauty in motion, and you were me uh, mesmerized by, by what he could do. It didn't matter if it was fly time. He was so innovative and so ahead of his time. So, you know, I had a couple of guys like that. I don't know if Emmett was always my hero and still is, 
but there's, you know, there's a lot of guys that I had that opportunity from and, and, uh, they're still out there. There's, yep. there's a lot of young guys coming up that are just, just incredible. Well, they we are had a conversation with a guy the other day and we got into the fact that how our sport has changed. I mean, you and I, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 48 right now, but I'm telling you, even in my lifetime, it blows my mind how much how much it's changed. Guys are on 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 the internet. They're they're looking where to go, what to use. They're taking fly patterns. I mean, think of how hard it was for us to get fly tying materials. You know, thirty right? years. Yeah, ago. you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, because I'm I'm ten ten years older than you. I'm fifty nine this year. So so I'm I've got ten years on you. But you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, we didn't have we didn't have these genetically altered birds that can that can put out saddle hackles to tie size twenty dry flies. You know. Well, I'll tell you um, what. I'm sitting in my tying room as I'm talking to you, and I'm looking on the wall, and I'm thinking to myself, "What is this? Uh, it's all neon and and uh, yeah. UV and you know th- this was not available ten years ago." Right. So. That's that's yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, all this UV stuff, all this, all these new synthetics, which is cool, you know. Yeah. But you know, I I, I was able to uh, to tour the fly fishing museum back in the Catskills. Nice. Um, back in Pennsylvania, I talk to a young guy now. He may not know who Lee Wolf is, but but you know, if you're if you're familiar with the Royal Wolf and and so on and so absolutely. forth, you know, that's this guy was so innovative. But I, it's funny because you go back there and they have a lot of his stuff in the museum. And, and I see Lee Wolf's fly box and it's an old Supretz can. And, you know, he's tying flies with old barnyard chickens. And the, the things that this guy could do with the, with what he had to work with is just, it's just amazing, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. um, I have, you know, I have nothing but the highest respect for those that have come before us and, and that were kind of the pioneers in, in this. And, uh, you know, I, I tip my hat to them and, and respect, you know, what they've, done and taught us and that history is so important i mean it doesn't matter who you talk to pretty much everyone gets it i mean we got here for a reason and the sport has evolved a lot and the one thing that i continue to be surprised by is how much you can continue to learn yeah yeah and, and you know that and like i say you know we've got a lot of young guys to me they're young guys you know guys in their in their uh, 30s and 40s that are are kind of like the the up-and-coming um teachers, uh, guys that are innovative. And, and, you know, I know some of these guys that, that are the competition team USA guys and, mm-hmm. and they're just amazing. But the beauty of fly fishing is that, you know, it's like a buffet. You can go and pick and choose whatever you want. There's so much there. And, and as much as you want, you know, you can take, if you're, you know, if you're uh, fishing a local water and, and you fish a half dozen fly patterns and that's, that brings you joy and happiness, then that's perfect for you. Well, put. you know, if you're a guy that's on the coast and you're fishing saltwater species and that's what you do, then, then great because you can fly fish that. Yeah. It, it, it's really what you want to put into it. You know, I, I got into it heavy because that, that's what I do. And it's my, it's my hobby. It's my passion, but it's also my business. So I, I'm fortunate in that regard, but you know, I've tried to learn the entomology. I've tried to learn the fly time. Um, I like fishing for all different types of species and freshwater, saltwater, bass, trout. I don't care. You know, um, I know a lot of guys are into it here. They call them Rocky mountain bonefish. And, and this is just something that scarred me from childhood or something, but I can't get into the carp. But a lot of guys catch some really cool mirror carp and different species of carp, grass carp. 
Um, you, you know, so that's the beauty of it. You can you can get out of it whatever you want, and and you can take it as seriously or as lightly as you want. It's not you know I'm not a competitive guy when I'm fly fishing. You know I I love competition. I love team sports. And you know if I when I was playing football, you know I was very competitive and and I like to win. But in fly fishing, you know I go with my friends. Uh, the guys I fish with usually, you know, we don't we don't compete. We don't say who caught the biggest fish. I know a lot of guys do, and, right. you know, if that's your thing, then cool. But, you know, I find joy and pleasure and happiness sitting back and watching another guy. If he's a good caster and he's throwing a beautiful loop, I'll sit there all day and watch him cast. Yeah. Uh, when I fish with my friends, you know, we'll, we'll fish a small stream, and we take turns because I enjoy watching him fish and catch a fish. And he enjoys watching me. So, you know, we... You know, we don't go out there and kill. I mean, well, so how many you got? You know, that, I, for me, I, I totally agree with you. That, I'm not into that. That for me takes the fun out of it. I get, I get the competitive aspect in it, but I mean, that's you're just talking about like world fly fishing championship stuff. That's a totally different ball game. But when we're out there just spending time on the river, uh, the last thing I want to do is be keeping score. You know, you know that's that's the beauty of it is because you know I I like to put the cell phone away. There's no cell phone, and I I like I like the entire outing you know i love to watch the wildlife i love to listen to the water i like to watch someone else catch a fish um i love the mountains you know i love the smell of the clean air um i love the sound of the the moving water it's just a whole experience and so you know i I can't say that i don't care if i don't catch a fish because you know I, i like to catch fish but my objective is not to go out and catch a lot of fish or a lot of big fish it's like you know my objective is to get out there and decompress. It's the best therapy in the world. Um, leave all the troubles back at, at the office and, and go out and enjoy yourself and take it all in. And then when you've had your fill, then the, the stress and the, the crazy life is waiting back for you, you know, when you get back to the I office. Can, I can tell you one thing. You're, you're preaching to the choir there. So I just want to ask you, uh, you mentioned earlier that you do a little bit of, uh, well, a lot of fly tying. Um, if you're at your bench right now, what's, uh, what kind of patterns are you working on these days? Well, right now, I've, lately I've been working on, uh, on, uh, on some still water patterns, um, because our, our lakes here are, are opening up. And, you know, we'll, here in Utah, a lot of times when we have runoff on the streams, the, the rivers and even the tailwaters, a lot of them are really not fishable, high water, off color. So that's a great time to go hit the still water. And, and so we'll take the boats out. And, and I, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll fish tandem rigs, two, two flies at a time. And a lot of times I'll, I'll trail a small uh, midge merger or a small mayfly emerges, a calabatus pattern or something behind a woolly bugger. And you'd be surprised how many times the big fish will take the little fly. Oh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I like to, to tie those up, and, and lately that's, that's kind of what I've been stocking up on. I don't consider myself a great tire. I love to watch great tires, and I've learned an awful lot. Um, my tying is, is okay, but I would never be comfortable doing a fly tying show or a demonstration. Yeah, and that's, a lot, that's the thing that I love about tying, too. There's a lot of different ways to come at it. Not everything has to be, like, store pretty. I mean, if it catches fish, it works. I mean, that's good enough for me. I, yeah, and that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's the idea, right? But uh, you know what? I uh, Man, I could talk to you all day. It sounds like you got a wealth of information, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. You know, we appreciate guys like you that, that give us a platform and give us an opportunity you know, to, 
to, to share this with others. Um, you know, I, I don't put down our competition. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there. And we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to cut anybody's throat. What we're trying to do is, is open up the, the market, make fly fishing accessible to more people. And, and, and in the process of bringing them into the sport, educating them in the process, teaching them that, hey, this is our resource. It needs to be protected and you need to get involved in protecting it. We can't take it for granted because unfortunately we have a lot less now than what we did when I first started. And, uh, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I started fly fishing when I was probably 16, 17. And, you know, it's, it's so different now. And it's like, when did this change take place? Because it's so gradual yeah. that, you know, I find that there's waters that are close to me within an hour. Uh, my home waters, places that I can't fish anymore that I could fish when I was a kid because it's tied up in private property or it's been uh, tore out and rechanneled and ruined. Getting people to see really the, the gifts that we have uh, at, our, at our reach, um, but, you know, to reach out and grab them, but protect them too. Well, well put. Steve Densley of Max and Outfitters. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time, Steve, and uh, uh, we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully you'll uh, you'll get out on the water pretty quick. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mark, and thank you for giving us the time. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or a topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines, and we'll see you on the water.